Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're talking about all the reasons we love Epcot. We're just moving around all the Walt Disney World parks. We've done Animal Kingdom so far. We did Magic Kingdom uh, last month. So now we're moving on to Epcot. There's a lot to love. Spoiler alert. (laughs) As with all the parks. You know what? I have a prediction. What's your prediction? The next one we do will be Hollywood Studios. See, now I want to do like Paris or something. I want to like <laughs> throw that in there to make your prediction wrong. But yeah, there, there's a lot a lot of reasons to love all the parks, and uh, but especially Epcot. A lot of reasons to love Epcot. So, All right, before we get into that, though, let's cover the Disney news of the week. So uh, a lot of stuff coming up at the beginning of September here. So Disney Plus Day is coming out September 8th, and we know some more of the shows and movies and things that are either going to be debuting uh, on Disney Plus or moving to Disney Plus on that day. So Thor Love and Thunder will be debuting on Disney Plus uh, for Disney Plus Day. We're also getting some new shows. So we're getting Cars on the Road, which honestly is, I think, the car series we didn't know we wanted, or maybe the one we didn't know we deserved. I'm not sure, but it actually looks uh, really good. Looking forward to seeing this. It actually makes me want to watch the movies. I was just going to say, you know what? It makes me want to give Cars a chance again. Yes. I I don't know if I want to watch all of them, but I at least want to go back and revisit the first one. And then from there, maybe I'll try watching the second and third. I'm all in on this series, though. It looks great. I'm, it does. I'm, I'm it, really it looks really this. good. <laughs> so, th- so that's going to debut uh, on Disney Plus Day. Pinocchio uh, is debuting as well. We got a new trailer for that where we actually saw Pinocchio. I think he looks really good. I think the CGI is good. And I think, you know, as a live action version, the fact that Pinocchio is animated and, you know, he's not, you know, in the movie, he's not a real boy for most of the movie. That's what he's you know trying to get to. It it actually works. He looks good as a CGI character. He looks like if you took the cartoon version and put him in real life. So it actually looks like this is going to be a pretty solid movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to this because I think that this does, yeah, this lends itself really well to being live action. Whereas, you know, like The Lion King, although, you know, it is cool to see them be real animals um quote unquote real yeah like it is cool to see them be translated into that way it is still really really hard to get a feline skeletal structure 100 percent correct um and looking good all the time and it just seemed a bit unnatural like that was an improvement i didn't think needed to be made but this is kind of cool yeah this looks good and i think this probably bodes well for something like the little mermaid as well where the movies are mostly human characters and then you just have one or two characters CGI. So I think this works well because again, for the most of yeah, the they'll world, just, they'll get real Pinoc- mermaids for this. <laughs> no, I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about little mermaid. I'm talking about Pinocchio. Like for the most part, the characters are humans and you just have Pinocchio and the little mermaid. Yeah. They're going to get real mermaids. <laughs> But like you have some fish. Casting is a little bit difficult for that one, but yeah, you you have some fish that are CGI. But I think for the most part, again, it is kind of human character. So yeah, I, I think this looks pretty good, and I'm pretty excited to see this. And they're also getting a documentary called Obi Wan Kenobi: A Jedi's Return, which is about the making of the Obi Wan Kenobi series. And I really love the making of the Mandalorian seasons that they've done before those yeah. are really interesting so it seems like they're now doing it about obi-wan kenobi which is exciting because i think it's always interesting to see like the behind the scenes of how they make these shows i think that's one of the one of the things disney plus does well is kind of these like behind the scenes documentary type things that you typically wouldn't get and it's smart too because it, it is just it's easy content for them where you know you just 
get clips of them talking about create like the creative process and people want to see that but also i mean it's not they have to pay a camera crew and somebody to edit it and i'm sure there's a lot more that i don't know about but it's not like you're making something completely new it's just the process of them making something for disney plus yeah you're not paying big name actors to do this you're just filming the directors and stuff right. as they're filming and the then show. filming the actors that might be big name but but yeah you're not they're yeah, already you're not getting paid for them. that yeah, yeah you're not paying them to act it's it's pretty easy so yeah I'm, I'm excited to see that so a lot of good stuff coming out on disney plus day we're also uh, quickly coming up on d23 and they announced that they're live streaming a lot of the panels and actually live streaming a lot of the big panels as well so if you're like us and not able to make it to d23 but you still want to see what's going on you want to kind of experience experience it live all the announcements that that's coming out you can uh, see a lot of it uh, live stream here so it's it's going to be friday saturday and sunday um, but some of the some of the panels that they're going to be live streaming are the disney legend ceremony so that's a pretty big one to be able to see that that's on friday morning um, they're also doing talking pets with the vets of national geographic uh what yeah so they're, they're talking to they're talking to Wait, vets when, of nat Gia. when is this i believe that one is on saturday i was gonna say please tell me it's not friday i might be <laughs> sick that day if that was friday <laughs> yeah I, I believe that one's on saturday <laughs> we're also doing a panel on the exhibition that's gonna be at the franklin institute next year on a hundred years of disney so they're doing a panel called the making of disney 100 which, the exhibition. which we will be going to yeah so that i believe opens in february they announced so there's gonna be a panel on that um but then the big panel on sunday the disney parks experiences and products panel is going to be live streamed and that's always a big one because they always have huge announcements on what's coming up in the parks and i think there's a chance that there is a lot of kind of surprising stuff coming out of this panel because we know Tron's coming and we know the Moana journey of water experience is coming and that's about it. And Disney is getting ready to celebrate as a company their hundredth anniversary next year. They just roll from one anniversary. They to the do. Next. They it's, do. it's hilarious. Like, I think what when we went to Disneyland, wasn't it there? Well, Disneyland's seventieth is going to be coming up in a couple years as well, so they're yeah. just going to keep rolling. I feel like it was like their sixty fifth. I don't remember what it was. I feel like there, that was some anniversary for them. Then we went to Disney World fiftieth, and then we went to Par Paris Disney, and it was their thirtieth. Yeah, and then their the company well, I, anniversaries hundredth is coming. They're always finding something. To I celebrate. mean, really, Walt, Walt Disney World's fiftieth is is going to be ending here. They're going to roll right into the hundredth anniversary of the company. If they <laughs> keep that going for a year and a half or so. That's going to roll right into Disneyland 70th. So there you go. It, it is going to kind of keep going. But but that's always a big panel. But I think there is going to be a lot of announcements there because, again, we don't know much that's coming. And so they have to be announcing new stuff because they're not just going to stop building after Tron. They're going to start new projects. They're going to they're going to be expanding. The parks are always evolving. So they have to start announcing new stuff. Maybe we get some announcement about what's going on at Dino Land and Animal Kingdom. Maybe we get a surprise announcement about a new land, something like that. Zootopia. But I think but I think there is I think there's an opportunity for uh, a lot of exciting things that come out of that panel. So I think it's pretty cool that they're live streaming. I it. hope there's something just completely out of left field that that I didn't know I needed, but I'm going to get. That's what I'm hoping for. Fingers crossed. And then they're also going to be uh, streaming the Disney Imagineering panel as well about the 70 years of Imagineering making the impossible possible. And I also think that one would be pretty interesting because I think there's the opportunity for some maybe new technology that they've been working on. Maybe we see the baby Groot walkabout robot that can kind of move uh, independently by itself. Maybe we see a little demo of that. I know they've you know done some sneak peeks of these like large 
characters that they're building. You know, one almost looks like a Yeti or something like that, that they could be characters in the parks. That that was like the Yeti and there's another one that was like a Hulk, I think. Was there a Hulk one, I think, at one point? Uh, There's definitely a Yeti. I'm not sure about the other ones. But yeah, I mean, you could potentially do a Hulk or Thanos or something like that. So maybe we see some of that stuff demoed as well. So a a lot of big panels. I think it's pretty cool that they're live streaming all of that. Yeah, I think that we'll be busy that weekend watching a lot of these live streams. Definitely. All right, and the Disney also announced some changes to the Park Pass system. These changes are going to make it easier to utilize the Park Pass system, which I think is a positive because it'll be easier to use. But I think the downside is the fact that they're making it easier to use kind of shows that it is here for the long haul and they're not getting rid of it because they want to make it uh, you know, more simplistic, I think more user-friendly because they have plans to keep it around for a long time. So you're now going to be able to make reservations for your whole group, no matter what ticket type people have. So in the past, if you're an annual pass holder and maybe uh, you were having a friend come and they had a single day ticket, you had to make those park pass reservations separately. You couldn't do them together because one was an annual pass, one was a single day ticket. You can now do all those together. You can now make reservations for groups of up to 30 people at a time before it was only 12. So if you have a large group of people coming, you can make reservations for everybody at once. And then the Wait, other thing, you up c- to thirty people, did you say? Up to thirty people. That doesn't seem like enough. Wait, so what do people who do like band trips do? Because some of these bands are huge. They're well, I think you have to split it up. So imagine before when you only had twelve people, so you could only do twelve. So you really had to have a lot of people making these reservations. Now you can at least have groups of thirty, so it makes it a little bit easier. I imagine if you like call a Disney representative, they would help you out with that or something. I would think so, but again, it, it kind of makes it a little bit manageable, like you said, for these band trips or these large groups coming in. Yeah. It's probably it, still not enough, but it at least it, probably covers 90% of the people that, if, that need to use it. If you're a high school band teacher and you know more about this, let me know because I am very, very curious to know how this works now. The logistics of that, that that's usually your camp, but to me that... I, don't I was going to say the... the things you're interested in, I would not think you would care about that. I don't but know. Okay. Just, I, I feel like that would be hard. Well, you're going to love this then. So the other thing you can do is you can now reschedule your pass without canceling it first, which I think this makes a lot of sense. So how it used to work is, let's say you made a park pass reservation for the Magic Kingdom on Monday and you decided, I don't want to go there anymore. I want to go to Hollywood Studios. You actually had to go in, cancel Monday's reservation, then go back in and select Hollywood Studios and make a new reservation. Now you'll be able to just go in and say, I want to change from Magic Kingdom to Hollywood Studios, one step, and it's done. That wow. makes a lot of sense to me. Well, wow, that's so exciting. Wow. I think you said I was going to enjoy that, so I had to act it up a little. I don't know. You were very excited about the the band people You know what? Uh, I think, I think so. it's just because I'm going back to work, and it makes me think of teaching stuff, and you know that's where my mind is right now, so... Uh, that kind of stuff interests me because I know anything with students and people and all those moving parts is hard. So you're excited that 30 people can be on a reservation. Now I'm excited that I don't have to cancel a reservation and make a new one. It's the little things in life that we're happy about. Yeah. I mean, you're excited about the thing that actually pertains to us. I will say though, it is amazing, you know, just to think about how far, you know, we've come as Disney fans here that again, the little things we're excited that it's now easier to make a park pass reservation. Whereas three years ago, we didn't have to make a park yeah. pass reservation. So again, I mean, it would be great if you didn't have to do this, but I think the fact that they're making it easier and the fact that they've repeatedly said it's kind of here to stay, again, just shows that it's here to stay. So I'll take whatever win I can get Yeah. at, at exactly. this point, really. I mean, you know, 
I'm done fighting having to make it's the not. reservation, so hey. at least make it easier. Yes, I think that's part of being happy too. Is not not longing and pining for things that aren't gonna be anymore. Just accepting the reality of the situation that you're in and moving forward. I'm just pining for park hopping at any time. That's it. I'm holding out for that. I will always pine <laughs> for park hopping before 2 p.m. I will tell you that the park pass reservations I can live with. Just let me park hop whenever I want. All right, and we had a couple more questions this week, so love the listener questions. Keep them coming. Love answering them. So we had two this week. So the first one comes from Derek P., and Derek writes, I'm going to Epcot in the parks in October. I'm trying to plan for the Food and Wine Festival. What are your favorite food and drink items? So we haven't gone to Food and Wine Festival this year. We haven't been for a few years, but my favorite thing that I have probably eaten at Food and Wine Festival was from France and it was like a beef dish. I ended up almost licking the the dish. And this year they have a, I mean, they have a French name too, but I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but they have braised short ribs and Cabernet with mashed potatoes. And, and that's basically what you had a couple years ago. Yeah, I think yeah. it might have had like, they might have been like, they have some sort of potato with it too. So yeah, it was very similar. Yeah, so, so food and wine, that a lot of the dishes stay the same year to year. So like this one, it is similar. It may be the exact same one. Right. If not, it's very similar to what they've had in the past. But there's also a lot of new stuff. So to your point, we've not gone this year, so we can't necessarily comment on how good everything is yeah. down there this year. I think you'd highly recommend that braised short yes. ribs from and France. And you know, we we looked at the list of the other foods and there are some ones that sound really good, so I think we'll recommend them and then Derek you can let us know if you try them how they yeah. how they are. Yeah. We're um, not going to be down for food and wine this the, year. The so. one thing that I think sounds incredible is at the Fry Basket near Test Track. They have a French fry easy for me to say. <laughs> French fr- French fry here, let me help you out with this. French fry flight. Why can't I say that? It's it's too much all at once. But yeah, so it's three different types of French fries. You have salt and vinegar, uh, sea salt and smoked aioli, and sweet potato casserole fries with candy pecans. So to- Wait, you forgot the toasted oh, the marshmallow, toasted marshmallow cream, cream and caramel whiskey. Yeah. So that sounds incredible. I love French fries, so mm-hmm. a flight of them sounds, sounds great. sounds amazing. Yeah. It's right up our alley because we're more food people than we are like drink people. Also over at Brewing at the Odyssey, there it, there are crispy Brussels sprouts with buffalo sauce. That's one way I've never had it before, but it sounds really delicious because you can't go wrong with crispy Brussels sprouts. And they also have woodchuck. They have guava woodchuck, which wa- woodchuck is a hard cider, um, my favorite hard cider that they make. And I've never tried the guava, but that sounds amazing. And you know, you can never go wrong with the blood orange margarita over at Mexico. I will say the one thing, if they do have it, I'm not sure if they have it this year or not. I think Angela's nodding yes, so they do have it. The pistachio cake uh, over at the Tangerine Cafe, just pass it. It's yeah. really not that good. I mean, you might have dropped mine on the ground, but I don't think that's what made it taste bad. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's it's definitely passable. So yeah, so that's a couple things uh, to try out. But definitely, if you're there, check out the Braised Short Ribs at France. Check out some of the other stuff. And uh, you know, right back in after you go and let us know you know, what you thought was the the top thing in food and wine. Yeah. All right. So our next question comes from Abby M and Abby writes, my husband and I are going to Walt Disney world next month and I'm creating a packing list. See, that's good. Always start the packing list Mm -hmm. early. I do this any, any trip. So like when we went to Europe a couple weeks ago, I probably started a packing list in January. Like as soon as I think of something, Oh, I may need that. I, I start it in like a to do app and I pack it. The nice thing is, 
I like never forget anything. And I'm never rushed at the end because I have months to think about it. Because I'll wake up in the middle of the night and think, I may need that on the trip. Boom, put it on the list. That way I can sleep easy <laughs> that night knowing that I won't forget it. All right, let's move back. All right, we're creating our packing list. What do you two typically carry in your bags into the parks? I want to be prepared with rain ponchos, snacks, umbrellas, water, etc. But I, want, I don't want to haul too much stuff around. Uh, and then also as a follow-up question, any tips uh, for your favorite park day shoes and do you bring two pairs? I will answer uh, quickly at the end here. I do not bring two pairs of shoes. I wear a size 14 or 15 shoe. It's very large. <laughs> it would take up too much space in the luggage to take two pairs of shoes. I wear the ones on my feet, wear comfy like Under Armour shoes, something like that, and that's it. Angela, you bring about seven pairs of shoes. So <laughs> I do not usually to Disney. When we went to Europe, I brought, I think, three or four pairs we ended up coming home. We, yeah, I was we, say, came, we came home with, with another more, pair. We came home with more shoes than we. We were in with. Portugal. We had to buy cork shoes. Cork, cork is a big like export of theirs, which I didn't know. But now I have cork shoes. So All right. Cool. Okay. No. All right. So what's on the so, packing list? Okay. So definitely, uh, definitely want to pack light. Right. We typically take a lounge fly bag. Yes. Yeah, so, so what what you can fit in a kind of a small bag. Right. And I will say, you know, I try to. I do like to take a lounge fly bag. I have a lot of lounge fly bags. However, I did just buy a bigger bag to go to the parks with. It's just a little bit bigger because lounge flies don't fully fit everything that I like to carry with me. So what I carry with me, I, I don't go anywhere without lip balm. Also, we do bring ponchos. Those pack down really small. Yeah, I, I definitely think ponchos are a great idea, especially this time of year during hurricane season, because you never know when you're going to get a crazy storm. I feel like every week I see a video of three feet of water on Main Street or something because there's a crazy storm. So ponchos yeah. are definitely a great idea. Right. A water bottle is super important. We have a hydro flask, which is pretty big. I think it's like 32 ounces. So usually we will buy a water bottle or a water somewhere, and then I'll carry that so it's a little bit smaller. Um, but if you have a smaller packable water bottle or you have a bigger backpack, then uh, refillable ones are obviously preferred. We also like to bring some sort of a snack. So I prefer our X bars just because it's filling and nutritious in case that one of us gets hungry and we don't, we can't get to food or we can't get food reservations, which sometimes happens. So we carry that just in case sunscreen and sunglasses always have to have that because you're in Florida phone and charger in case you like a battery charger in case your phone runs out. And this is a key one too, because you are on your phone so much. Everything now is geared toward your phone the genie app lightning lanes making mm -hmm. your reservations all this sort of stuff is definitely on your phone use your phone a ton so buy a phone charger if you don't have one of those like rechargeable ones they're really cheap on amazon I actually bought new ones before we went yeah. to europe so we could have some i think it was like 25 dollars for two of them yeah and they're 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 pretty light so definitely I say, have I don't that think with you we use them maybe once our phone, phones have pretty good battery lives in them, but at the same time, it is kind of one of those measured things where it's like, well, do I want to risk my phone running out of juice and then I have no way to call anybody or find information? Yeah, and we weren't on them constantly, but at Disney World, you're going to be on your phone a lot and you're going to use a lot of battery. The last thing that I always include, and this is just for myself, really, Joe doesn't need this. Depending on what the weather is going to be, you might need a jacket because sometimes Florida during the day is very warm, but at night it can go down to like the 60s and without the sun, it's not 
warm enough, at least for me, to be walking around without a jacket on. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going in September, that's probably not going to be an issue. I think this is probably a more important thing if you're going maybe yeah. like later in the year, more in the winter. I think September, you're probably still fine where it's not going to get cold enough if you need a jacket. But that may be something, yeah, if you get cold. I think the other thing to remember is if you're close to the parks, uh, if your hotel is close to the parks where you're staying, you don't necessarily need to pack as much. You can kind of go back quickly. But I mean, really, we try to pack light. So I think these are kind of like the essentials. I'm sure there's a lot of people that pack more, pack different stuff. But we definitely do try to keep it light. Yeah. You know, try to be on the go. So, you know, not to be weighed down too much. But I think that's, you know, a pretty good list. To the second question, Angela. So what are your favorite park shoes? Thank you for this question, by the way, because I love shoes. I get in trouble a lot of time for having too many pairs of shoes. So thank you. Um, so I usually will pack my most comfortable shoes. So I usually I love my Brooks shoes, like running shoes or just um, like my ghosts. I love those shoes to wear. That's the type of shoes. And another thing that I will wear if it's really, really hot and I usually do wear tennis shoes, but if I'm feeling like I just need to wear sandals that day, they're called Olukai Apina flat sandals. So the Olukai website doesn't even sell them anymore. You have to get them from Nordstrom. But I did wear them when we were in France because it was really, really hot and they were comfortable all day. I can't do sandals in the parks because my feet end up burning by the end of the day. And I mean burning like the bottoms of them from walking around. But these are pretty comfortable. So I didn't have that issue with these ones. And then the other one, these aren't park tested, but I'm sure probably a lot of people would agree is Crocs in general. And I just bought really cute rainbow Mickey slides. Uh, I bet they would be very comfortable in parks as well. They're also very on brand. They are very well on brand. Mickey, so. They make me very happy. <laughs> so I want to thank Derek and Abby for their questions this week. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, because again, we love the listener questions, want to keep them coming, head over to our website, enchantedears.com slash podcast question. You can ask your question on there and we'll answer it on a future episode. All right. So let's jump into our main topic this week, the top 10 reasons we love Epcot. So the first reason is the food. And we yeah. talked a little bit about this earlier with Derek's question on some of the, the good food items at Food & Wine. But Epcot is all about food. Yes. So Epcot is almost too good with food because there are actually really great restaurants that you can eat at in, in Epcot. But then a lot of times you don't really want to make reservations at those restaurants because then there's always some sort of festival going on, which speaking of that, that's our number two. So there's always a festival going on. So there's so many choices of what to eat. If you want a sit down meal, then of course you can go to those big restaurants, but also you could just go around and get two, three, four of the little plates at the festivals. And then that makes up food. And it, they do, they do rotate, you know, like we were saying earlier, they're not always the exact same, although, you know, they keep some of the same things around because I think they're kind of customer favorites. So there's just always something different and interesting to eat. And then the festivals are fun because they're, they're put on by different countries and you get to try different cuisine from different places. Yeah. I mean, I think with the festivals, it makes Epcot kind of like a celebration park. Like there's always something it's exciting going on. So you have festival of the arts, you have flower and garden festival, you have food and wine festival. And with those festivals, you have these different food offerings, like we mentioned, but then you also have you know, musical acts, you have the yeah. eat to the beat musical acts. So, you know, at night at, at the, you know, American pavilion at the stage, there, there's people singing at the, you know, festival of the arts, they have 
artists come and do live paintings. You know, some of these festivals have cooking demonstrations. Like there's always something new and exciting going on with these festivals. And then I think touching on the food, you mentioned it, you know, each country has a great restaurant. I think all of them pretty much have sit down restaurants. So there's a lot of excellent sit down restaurants in Epcot and I don't know there's any other park that has that many sit-down restaurants like that. Right. So you have a lot of great options. But the other thing is you also have a lot of options with Disney's Boardwalk right there close by to kind of expand out for other food offerings. So yeah, overall, Epcot's a great place to eat and it's a great place to kind of just celebrate and have all of these festivals. The third reason that we love Epcot is just the culture of it. You know, it is this international melting pot where in World Showcase you have all of these different countries. And as you walk through World Showcase, it kind of seamlessly blends from one country to another, but you get a feel for the different cultures that are represented there. And they do an incredible job of it. I mean, mm. when we were in Portugal, walking through there, I was like, this really does, I joked, I was like, it looks like we're in Epcot because they do such a great job of getting that European vibe. Now they don't have Portugal in right. Epcot, but they have Italy and other you know European countries that it does look like that. Or in France, it, it looks like, you know, the, the, the France pavilion that they do a great job of representing that and having that again, kind of international melting pot uh, is just a great reason to go and visit Epcot. And what does seem like it's finally starting to come back too is they bring in workers from the countries. So you get people coming in that aren't American that also kind of give you that feel. It adds to the authenticity. And you, again, it's fun because you get to interact with people that have a different background than you. And it kind of adds to that feeling of, you know, it's a small, like for no lack of a better word, like it's a small world. Like it's a small, it's a microcosm of the world and it kind of shows us how we're all interconnected. The fourth reason why we love Epcot is there's a lot of potential to add attractions. So we've talked about this before on the podcast, but a lot of the countries actually have unused space usually behind them where there is a space for an attraction, but a lot of the countries didn't want to pay to have an attraction built. So that space is actually unused, which equals potential. So that's kind of nice that that's one of the parks that, you know, they don't have to take anything away to expand. They can just expand right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, Epcot could easily add four or five attractions, like you said, without taking anything away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I can't really think of any of the other parks that probably have that. I think Animal Kingdom probably has a lot of space as well where you could add a couple of attractions, especially like as you go out towards Rafiki's Planet Watch. Like there's just a lot of empty space there along those train tracks that they could probably reutilize and, and use to expand the parks but like magic kingdoms pretty full you know i mean tron they kind of added but they don't have a ton of other space to add there i think hollywood studios uh is pretty full as well but yeah i mean epcot they have a lot of extra land and a lot of extra space that yeah i mean tomorrow they could announce or maybe at d23 at the at the parks panel they're going to announce you know five new rides i don't think they're going to do that but <laughs> i think they could do that and again, yeah, not really take away from, from what's there. So that, that's exciting to have that potential there. All right, the next reason I think is probably the, the best reason. We should have led with this one. But it's that the fact that they have living with the land, which is, I've talked about it repeatedly if you've listened to this podcast at all. It's just the best ride in the world. I don't know that I really need In to, the world. Yeah, it's the, best, it's the best ride in the world. 
Living with the land is incredible. If you've never written Living with the Land and you're listening to this podcast, do yourself do a it. favor. Next time you go down, ride Living with the Land. It's an incredible attraction. I think it encompasses everything Disney's about. It's a great representation of what Epcot is about with science and history and education mixed in with entertainment. I We really should have led with this one because I, I feel like everything else is just kind of second fiddle to living with the land oh my that's a strong statement yeah can i can i talk any higher about living with the land i don't know Uh, yeah i don't know i i I, you know i've said this before i think the front the front component needs an update but it's really interesting how it's educational um and then it's really cool because that second part the part where you get to see their greenhouses and the way they make everything grow and even if you're not like a plant person it's cool to just see how they've actually innovated and like made done vertical gardening and different ways to kind of have a lot of plants and not a huge amount of space. And they have such like so much produce coming from there. It's really fascinating. You will come out of that ride guaranteed wanting to garden. Every time I ride that, I immediately like want to run out and go plant something. I want to go grow something and try some crazy way to grow something. You, you could not ride that without being inspired. The next reason is that Epcot is the only park that you have four modes of transportation to get to and from. So they have the bus like all the parks have. They have the Skyliner. They have the monorail. But they also have boats. So they all have all four modes of Disney World transportation down there. And they're the only park that has all four. Our seventh reason is because of the icon of Spaceship Earth. And especially since the 50th anniversary improvements were made, this really is a huge standout. Um, The lighting package on it is beautiful. They do a really cool seasonal. Like They are constantly adding new and different shows. One of the times we were down there was Pocahontas. I think that they were doing a... Was it Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast down there now. Yeah, right now. So it's kind of... They've done like a cool seasonal like outfitting of it and they change it and it just looks so beautiful. It's really awe inspiring to look at that. I'd rather stare at spaceship earth than watch harmonious probably any day. It's just such a great park icon and it's crazy cause it's not even, it's not nearly as big as the castle, but I think that it, it is like equally as iconic as the castle. Yeah, it is a great icon. We actually ranked all of the park icons their day version and their night version on an episode. So if you're interested in hearing that on where we think all of these rank, you know, go back and check that one out. But Spaceship Earth as a park icon is one of the best icons. And at night, like you said, especially with what they did the 50th, it's absolutely beautiful uh, and absolutely incredible. I think it's it's funny because I think it does steal the show from Harmonious. You watch Harmonious and you turn around and you see Spaceship Earth show going on you're like oh wow like you're more amazed by that than what you saw at harmonious so yeah it it steals its thunder a little bit exactly all right i kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier that the boardwalk is nearby but that's the next reason to love epcot because you do have the access to the boardwalk so it's a very short walk to get to the boardwalk so you have all the boardwalk hotels there Uh, you have the boardwalk inn beach and yacht club and you have all the restaurants and kind of nightlife that comes with it so Beaches and Cream uh, is one of our favorite places to go and eat. That's in the Beach and Yacht Club. But then you also have uh, some bakeries and cafes. You have nightlife. You could go see uh, Jelly Rolls, which is a dueling piano bar along the boardwalk. So it's another entertainment area to Disney. It's free to walk around. It's kind of like 
a little bit of a mini Disney Springs where you have food, shopping, things like that. But it's right there next to Epcot. And the proximity of it, uh, again, makes it nice because you can go to Epcot for a little bit. If you're a little bit tired, hey, go walk around the boardwalk or, you know, at night, you know, go go eat at the boardwalk or go check out Jelly Roll, something like that. Uh, it just adds to, I think, the ambiance uh, and the draw of Epcot overall. Oh, and fun fact, because I didn't really know this, Jelly Roll Rolls has a $18 cover charge. So if you are going to go there, just know in advance that you have to be 21 and there is a cover charge. But yeah, going over to especially Beaches and Cream, recommend that. But as I already we already said, Epcot has so much good food and then they have Beaches and Cream basically there too. It's It's actually almost too much good food. Yeah, and the, I mean the other thing I just just remember this uh, on the boardwalk you can rent those uh, bikes that like you and your family can pedal those large you know you can fit like five or six people in there kind of like you would see at a boardwalk on Atlantic City something like that you can rent those and and kind of ride around up and down the boardwalk uh, so just a lot a lot of stuff to do there and not to mention it's my favorite part part of a lot of the races that we do the boardwalk section is is just really cool to see there's a lot to kind of, like it's fun to run on the boardwalk the sounds of running on the boardwalk are nice because of the hitting the wood planks and then just kind of going through that area and seeing it because it's sort of like an old-timey uh, like theme park theme um it's just it's a it's a cool area our number nine reason for loving epcot is that it is educational so you have circle visions there for the different countries. You have the Landis and Sea Pavilion. And all of these things kind of help you to learn about various aspects of our planet. So the circle visions, you you can go and do the um, like the Canada. Go see Canada because if you didn't know, that is Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hare doing the, the narration of that film. And they play off of each other so wonderfully. And by the end, you're singing Oh Canada, even if you're American, because it is just such, it's the best circle vision. No, you're singing that far. song. They, they wrote, oh, yeah, Canada. Yeah, they wrote a song for it that is just, it's an earworm. It's just a banger. Yeah, it's it a get, banger. It gets it's stuck so in your head. Every time we go see that, like I'm singing it for the rest of the day because it's so catchy. Yeah, like I insist on going to see that almost every time because it is just, it blows the other circle visions out of the water, yeah, but that, in my opinion. And that one is... I think the most recently updated. So I think that is why that one's probably best. They've been talking about that they're going to redo the China one, but I think that's been on hold for a while. So I imagine when they redo that and they update the screens and everything like that, that won't be really good. But the China one's good. You know, the one in France is interesting because like there's no narration to it. And I feel like they don't even tell you where they are. So yeah, you get some to see of them. There's text on the bottom of the screen that tells you, but a lot of the things, yeah, they don't tell you what they are. Yeah. So you get to see like, you know, all these beautiful places in France, which it's beautiful. It's a great film, but then you're like, Hey, where is this? I'd like to go see it. And you're not necessarily sure where the area is. And that's an older one too. So I think the Canada one, again, just cause it's newer, it's kind of more updated. I think the French and the, the, the one in China, just need a little bit of an update. I kind of want to see an England one, even though there's no... Oh, yeah, there is an England There is an England area. I want to see an England one, and I want it to be narrated by Jeremy Irons. Put Jeremy Irons back in the park as a narrator, because he used to narrate Spaceship Earth, and now that I know that, I just need him as a narrator for pretty much everything. I want him to narrate my life. All right, but yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, land and sea pavilions as well. I mean, there's also uh, the American Adventure Pavilion, which kind of tells the history of America, Spaceship Earth, uh, as itself is educational, telling the history of communication. So kind of just ingrained in the fabric of Epcot is this 
educational entertainment mix. The thing I like about it the most is there's like a sneak animal kingdom moment, you know, because we, we've mentioned a couple times the land and sea pavilions, but in the sea pavilion, you have like manatees and you can see, I think it's Little Joe. I feel like his name was Little Joe, um, who was featured in the Animal Kingdom show, actually, even though he's in Epcot. But it's just it's really interesting to go in there. Sometimes you can catch the, the keepers feeding them like heads of lettuce because they have to feed them so much lettuce a day that they're just, I feel like, constantly in there and they can do like a Q&A with you. So it, it that part even is just excellent because you get, you know, some science education in there with your, you know, world culture sort of education. And the last reason why we love Epcot is it has... I don't know if it's technically the biggest gift shop in all the theme parks, but it sure seems like it is. Yeah, it sure seems like it is. And and they just redid it, so it's probably one of the nicest ones. But they have the creation shop, which I feel like next to the World of Disney store down in Disney Springs, this has just the most merchandise. And it's different. It's the biggest store. Yeah. It, it's not the same merch as there is like in a lot of the places. You know, like every merch shop doesn't have the same stuff in it, but that one seems like it has the most concentration of different merch yeah i definitely feel like you know when we go i try to go to that that's store. like the must yeah. go to store yeah i know you know i mean main street obviously has a lot of shops on there and they have a you know pretty decent you know merch store as well but i feel like it's just it's not the same as what epcot has it, epcot's is, is much larger and even you know compared to the world of disney store the world of disney store has so many people in it i mean it's huge down in disney springs but it's so busy because I feel like everybody goes there because they're like, hey, this is the store we have to go to. Yeah. Where it feels like over in Epcot, the creation shop, it's not as crowded because I think people aren't thinking of, oh, they're going to have as much merch. Like World of Disney attracts people just because they're thinking, oh, like this is the big one I have to go to. And I think people miss out on the creation shop. To your point, there's a lot of unique merchandise there. And, I, and again, I feel like it's not as crowded because not as many people maybe it's, know about it. Yeah. I mean, I guess the World of Disney is a humongous store, but so is the creation shop. I mean, that's that's a big, big piece of real estate there. And yeah, there's not as many people there. So it feels a little less congested. No, definitely. So, all right. So those are our 10 reasons why we love Epcot. We'd love to hear what, what your favorite reason why you love Epcot is. You can head over to our Facebook page. We're Enchanted Ears over on Facebook and let us know over there. So that wraps up the show for this week. I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so, please subscribe, leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.